This is Business Breakdowns. Business Breakdowns is a series of conversations with investors and operators diving deep into a single business. For each business, we explore its history, its business model, its competitive advantages, and what makes it tick. We believe every business has lessons and secrets that investors and operators can learn from, and we are here to bring them to you. To find more episodes of Breakdowns, check out joincolossus.com. All opinions expressed by hosts and podcast guests are solely their own opinions. Hosts, podcast guests, their employers, or affiliates may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. This is Matt Russell, and today we are breaking down a big fish in a less known pond. That is Wex. Wex is a leader in the fleet card market, and to put it simply, they offer trucking businesses special credit cards, which help secure advantage rates on fuel, among many other things. Now, this is a business with a long history. Wex is headquartered in Maine, and they really came to life in the 1980s. To break down Wex, I'm joined by Mark Tomasovich from Energize Capital multiple-time guest on Business Breakdowns. We get into the history of this industry and how Wex found a very creative way to accelerate adoption within this market. Without further ado, please enjoy this breakdown of Wex. All right, Mark, welcome back. Our first third-time guest on Business Breakdowns. So we'll be getting your memorabilia in the mail shortly. But we aren't covering a traditional energy name today. I would say it's a little bit more on the infrastructure side of energy, a little bit tangential. So maybe you could just start off with a quick overview of who Wex is and what Wex does. So Wex's core product is a fleet card. And when you think about a fleet card, what that is, is it's a credit card that fleet operators can use for buying fuel. So everyone from your delivery truck driver all the way to the vehicle that your plumber uses for driving around to various homes, they all buy their fuel from your local retail gas stations. And with a fleet card, they can access certain negotiated prices. And then the fleet operator can actually manage spend. So I definitely want to get into the background here and how this business came to be because it's a very interesting niche. But I thought we could actually start off with the addressable market and whether we break that down by overall gasoline market, fuel market, or specific to fleets, however you think is best to do that, how would you categorize and size up the market that they operate in? When you look at the whole U.S. motor gasoline market, the U.S. is consuming 400 million gallons of motor gasoline per day. And then when you look on the fleet side, there's about 40 million fleet vehicles in the U.S., Like I said earlier, that's everything from your Amazon vans to UPS trucks to the trucks that a home service fleet would drive when going around the neighborhood. So these vehicles are purchasing the gasoline from the retail gas station. The fleets themselves consumed over 60 billion gallons of that motor gasoline in 2022. So for reference, WEX is serving probably by our estimates, I don't know, around 25 to 30% of the overall market. And they currently have 18 million vehicles on their platform. And 600,000 fleet businesses use the WEX card. And so it's a huge market in general. And you can think of the overall market from at least our analysis is still 30 to 40% untapped. And that 30 to 40% is just fleets that have not adopted a fleet card from one of the providers? 
Correct. Yeah. So there's a few different fleet card providers that go into that number. And about 20% of that 40 million fleet vehicles is likely unaddressable because they don't actually buy their gas at the retail gas stations. Those are things like school buses and other government agencies that don't purchase gas from retail gas stations. But yeah, when you look at the overall market between WEX and a few of their competitors, there's still 30% of fleet vehicles out there that don't use a fleet card. So that market remains untapped. Out of curiosity, where do school buses get their gasoline from? So they actually have their own private fleet fueling locations. So they're not going up to your local Exxon station to fill up. I've never seen a school bus at a local Exxon station. So that explains that. It's an interesting business niche. And I think about for corporates, there are corporate Amexes and a variety of different cards that we can use for traditional business. What's the history here in terms of this industry being created, WEX being created? How did it come to be? So WEX has been around for a while. They've been around for about 150 years now. And actually, back in the 1890s, the company started under the name of A.R. Wright. And A.R. Wright was the guy, Augustus R. Wright. And he started a company with the name A.R. Wright that sold coal and ice in Portland, Maine. And so the company operated for about 100 years, and then they expanded from coal into heating oil and gasoline and diesel. And then in the late 1980s, the grandson of A.R. Wright had this idea of, can we create a card system that helps fleet operators eliminate fraud and provide the ability to run analytics on their fuel consumption? But even back in the 1980s, which was, what, just 40 years ago, the business was still almost too visionary for its time. So at the time, less than 3% of all gas stations in the U.S., had any sort of electronic equipment needed to process MasterCard or Visa transactions. So what they did is they started with three unattended gas stations in Portland, and they signed up their first fleet customer, which was a dairy company called Oakhurst Dairy. And so fast forward a few years, ATMs and credit cards begin to proliferate. Simultaneously, Shell and Mobile begin to launch their own plans to launch their own fleet card businesses. And this began to give AR Wright some of the credibility in the space. And so they went down to Boston and they raised venture capital funding under the name Wright Express. And so that's where you can start to see the name Wex originating from was originally Wright Express. So the pitch was genius. Instead of winning over gas stations one by one, they would actually go to the corporate oil company and then they would sign up the oil companies. And then the oil companies would tell their retail gas stations all to use Right Express as a way to win fleet businesses and win loyalty with these various fleet operators. And in 1987, Right Express signed their first big oil company. It was a company called Getty Petroleum. They got GE Capital actually to carry the credit and they began white labeling their card and partnering with other oil companies and financial networks. And then finally, they were acquired a few times, went public in 2005. And since going public, they've 20x their revenue over the last 20 years. In 2012, they rebranded from Wright Express to WEX. They built out their own proprietary payments network. And today they do about $2.5 billion in revenue and they have 600,000 fleet customers. Wow. So in that early instance of getting that oil customer signed up, was that very much dependent on that retail relationship between the oil company and having the actual gas stations where they knew there would be a flow through? in terms of fleets using and creating that loyalty at that specific gas station? Was there anything else that went into that convincing of the oil producer to be pushing on behalf of WEX? 
So the oil producers wanted to be able to develop a relationship with their customers so that their customer would continue to go back to their retail gas stations. What's unique about the oil and gas industry is certain retail gas stations are actually not necessarily owned by the corporate oil company. So for example, if you go out and you buy gas from an Exxon gas station, actually Exxon doesn't own a lot of its own retail gas stations. They just license out the Exxon name. And what's even more interesting about the retail gas space is when crude oil is refined into gasoline, gasoline from an Exxon refinery might be mixed with gasoline from a Shell refinery, which might be mixed with gasoline from a BP refinery. And all that gasoline in the same pipeline will go to a specific blending terminal where a specific brand will add their additives and sell it as Chevron with Tecron or sell it as Exxon with Synergy. And so the branding within gasoline actually just comes at the very end where they add their own additives and then they sell it under a specific brand name. But that's a relatively new concept. Back when WEX originated, a lot of these refiners and then retail gas distributors were still pretty vertically integrated. So at that point, it was you gained a lot of distribution leverage by going to the corporate because the corporate themselves still had the relationship with the end consumer because they still own the retail gas stations. Since it's become a bit more fragmented, but still several of these corporates, BP, for instance, still own several of their retail gas stations. It's a really interesting industry dynamic. We recently did a business breakdown on Casey's General Stores and got into that breakup, essentially, where Hess sold a lot of those gas stations, obviously Exxon as well. And some of the bigger producers have gotten out of that business. But it sounds like in the early days here, that was very key to the distribution. So it's interesting to know how it's evolved over the years. And they've been able to hold on to that stranglehold on the industry. That's how they've been successful. Otherwise, you have to go and you have to acquire each retail gas station individually. And the customer acquisition cost just doesn't make sense. But if you can figure out a way to gain that leverage by going through the corporate, then you can sign up a lot more gas stations. You can sign up, in this case, tens of thousands of gas stations with low customer acquisition costs. And in terms of the fleet owners, the value proposition there, I think you alluded to some of this before in terms of visibility, in terms of mileage at a certain point, just reducing fraud that might have been taking place, I assume, at the truck driver level. But what is the value prop in providing these cards to the fleets? So number one is to be able to control spend and be able to actually have insight into what the fleet drivers are actually spending when they purchase gasoline. So when you use the WEX credit card, you get access to data like the amount of the purchase, the driver that made the purchase, the vehicle type that that the driver was driving. And then through the WEX software, you can have various reports that WEX creates So ultimately, it just gives you more visibility into your gasoline consumption, which is a massive spend for some of these fleet providers. And then from the driver perspective, you can actually use the WEX card at various auto centers. So you can use WEX credit for changing your engine oil, for example. So depending on what card you use, you can get certain points and certain benefits associated with it. And how does the economic model work? Is it a traditional? credit card type transaction as a consumer where I'll be charged an annual fee and then maybe fee if I'm not paying on time? Are there also just transaction fees associated with it? How do they generate money from the fleet card? So in their fleet segment, WEX has actually built out their own proprietary payment loop. So what that means is actually in fleet or in 
mobility as they've rebranded it. WEX doesn't have to use MasterCard or Visa in order to process those transactions. WEX can actually capitalize on a significantly greater portion of those interchange fees for every transaction. So it depends on how they've negotiated it, but for all intents and purposes, it's a percentage of every transaction. And then with the software products that they also sell in order to give visibility into the transactions, they charge SaaS fees for those. So it's both a percentage of spend and then SaaS fees on top. And is that percentage of spend, I think, of 3% as on the high end with the Visa and MasterCards? Is that the right context or is there a large meaningful difference from that number? No, that's the right context. Yeah, about that much. Super interesting. And when you think about the marketplace competition, what does that look like in terms of other fleet card providers? So Wex is one of the big three. The two others would be Fleet Core, which serves about 800,000 businesses, has 24 million vehicles. For reference, Wex was 600,000 businesses and 18 million vehicles, so not too much bigger. And then the other one is Voyager Bank Card, which is the third biggest. And so we think between those three biggest, they probably serve about 50% of the market. And is the competition strong? Is the switching cost high to go from if you're a fleet and you switch from one card provider to the next? Is there significant switching costs associated with that? How do you, from the outside, think about competition and whether it's pricing rates, whatever it might be, the threats towards one of those industry one of the big three coming out, winner take all. There is a bit of stickiness because you've already implemented the software on your side and you have certain workflows set up throughout your organization in order to look into various spend and you've distributed cards to all of your fleet drivers. So there's a bit of stickiness. I will say that when you look at a few of the risks that WEX is currently undergoing, is competition is actually beginning to force them to reduce their fees and take a slight hit on margin. So we have seen WEX's historical profit margin over time begin to erode. So what they're doing in order to build up that moat is signing these longer-term relationships with their fuel providers. And I think that also becomes something that makes the product stickier is that if you can offer the WEX card at various locations, and currently WEX serves nine out of the 10 biggest fuel providers in the U.S., then your drivers can use the WEX card wherever they're at along their route. And that ability to have those long-term relationships with the fuel providers themselves or with the retail gas stations creates a bit of that moat because it just enables convenience for the drivers to fill up wherever they are. But that being said, they are beginning to see reduced fees and reduced margins because some of their competitors are starting to undercut them and provide greater discounts or whatever it may be to the drivers themselves. And what does this business do just in terms of run rate, revenue, margin, however you look at it? How would you classify the fleet business with those metrics in mind? So overall, the business does $2.5 billion in revenue, which is about 25% year-on-year growth. The fleet business is about 60% of that revenue. So they do have two other parts of their business, which are related to B2B payments and then managing various travel and corporate solutions, and then health and employee benefit solutions. But the fleet business, which is their main product, does about $1.5 billion of revenue at very high margin. So 72% gross margin, 50% operating margin. And if you look at the overall EBITDA of the business, it's a 35% EBITDA business. And one of the things that sticks out is the transaction fee as a percentage of the sale. If fuel prices are higher, that's going to be a higher sale. 
versus fuel prices coming down. How much of a role does that play just in terms of revenue generation? Well, WEX doesn't use any hedging derivatives. So they're fully exposed to the impact of fuel price volatility. So if your volume amount decreases, and if you're taking a percentage of volume, then it's an impact on your top line. And then if fuel prices are too low, then the dollar amount per transaction is too low, and that also affects your top line. So there is a sweet spot, actually, where WEX can optimize revenue. And currently, they're fully exposed to the price of fuel. In terms of the customers, one of the interesting things about the trucking industry is that most fleets, I think 90% plus, have fewer than 10 trucks. Do they have much customer concentration when it comes to revenue? Is it very diversified? Is there anything unique going on there? No, very diversified. So 600,000 fleets. So both on the fleet side and then also on the fuel provider side, they've actually been able to aggregate both the supply and demand. And it's really interesting is you can almost think of them as in a weird way, maybe even like a marketplace where they've aggregated all of the supply on the fuel retailer side. And then they've aggregated all of the demand on the fleet operator side. And then they can actually take a take rate, which is in this case, the interchange fees on all of the transactions between the two. Yeah. And capitalize on that volume. So they've done a really good job at starting with the supply side, starting with the fuel retailers, and then using the fuel retailers to develop those relationships with the fleet operators through various loyalty programs. When you were describing it before, it very much reminded me of a marketplace playbook in terms of going after those suppliers and even just thinking about the product on the marketplace being fuel, which you're typically looking for marketplaces to have something that's homogenous as the product or service that could be easily commoditized and taxis and and Ubers are one form of this, but fuel is another form of it where it can be the special blends, but it is a commodity at the end of the day. So very interesting to think about how they've thought about this business very, very creatively. I would also say in a marketplace, you also typically want at least both sides to be more fragmented. Otherwise, you get disintermediation of the marketplace and you get people forming their relationships outside of your marketplace. But If you're constantly filling up at new fuel stations or you're constantly selling to new drivers, then managing the complexity on both sides is actually really beneficial. And is there anything else to consider? I think we talked about some of the risks from competitors as it relates to offering different things to the fleets, but as it relates to the suppliers and now being with nine of the top 10 fuel retailers... Are there any threats from that side of the business in terms of them asking for specific terms or adjusting the model that are worth considering? One thing on the supply side, which is maybe different than your original question, which might have to do with forming these long-term contracts or long-term relationships, I think that we should highlight on the supply side is the integration of electric vehicle charging into some of these gas stations around the country. As more and more fleets become mixed fleets and as more gas stations start to look at electric as a significant portion of their revenue, WEX is currently trying to get ahead of the curve there in order to offer different solutions to EV drivers. So currently, WEX captures about $6 per vehicle per month on their gasoline fuel car product. They think that they could capture anywhere from, I believe it's $5 to $20 per vehicle per month because you can actually monetize an electric vehicle 
in several different ways versus combustion engine vehicle. And because that's different things like helping them find charging locations, helping them monitor their battery performance, reimbursing employees if they were to charge at home instead of at a fleet depot or their office location. So one of the risks to the business that's less on the contracting side and less on the relationship side, but more on the macro side or the macro dynamics is the integration of electric vehicles into some of these fleets. And can you elaborate on that a bit just in terms of if someone is refueling an electric vehicle at home, how they would go about transacting that and capturing some value? So imagine you're a fleet driver and you have a company provided vehicle, but you charge your vehicle at your house overnight, for instance. The company wants to be able to figure out a way to reimburse their employee for charging at their home and spending money on essentially fuel costs, which are electricity costs in this case. So there needs to be a way, there needs to be an app or some sort of reimbursement system so that the employee can charge at home, but still get credited by their employee for the electrons, in this case, that they put into their vehicle. And so Wex is looking at various different methods and building various different products to be able to figure out, okay, how can we implement some of these new applications that might not be relevant in the combustion engine world, but are relevant when mixed fleets begin to integrate electric vehicles. That makes a lot of sense. And I think it gets into their broader expansion into other business lines as well just in terms of doing what they do and then seeing what other options and services that they can offer on top of that. So maybe it makes sense to transition into some of the other businesses they have. I think travel and corporate solutions is a sizable chunk of the business. So maybe you can describe a little bit about what they're doing there. So travel and corporate solutions makes up about 20% of the business, which is about $500 million in revenue also a very high margin business of so 70% gross margin, 50% operating margin. And what that business is, is two main products. So one is B2B payments. And this is a payment platform that's mainly used by online travel agencies and various tour operators and airlines. And then the other is AR and AP automation and spend management software. So within this division, they also make money from interchange fees when they offer B2B payments. This product is actually not on their closed loop proprietary system. This product is actually powered by MasterCard and Visa. So it's not as high of a margin on those interchange fees, but still significantly stronger margin. And then on the AP automation and spend management software, they sell a SaaS product. And when you think about growth with that business, how does it relate to the growth of the fleet business? Is it something that management views as a core business line that they're really focused on? Is there any difference in terms of focus for the management team or shareholders when it comes to this versus the fleet solutions business? When you look at their 10K and you look at how they talk about the business and where they're investing, they just set aside actually a $100 million venture fund specifically for scouting new technologies within e-mobility. So you can start to get the idea that fleet solutions and mobility solutions more broadly is the core focus area of the company. And I would say that's consistent with how management talks about the company at their earning reports. Well, I think even though it sounds like it's not the focus, it does make sense to still tap into the remaining 20% of revenue in this health and employee benefit line. 
So what is going on there? And is that another extension in terms of what they're doing with businesses? So in that health and employee benefit solution line, they provide software with payments attached and plan administration services for health benefit accounts. So think HSA accounts and COBRA accounts. And what's unique and actually something that we haven't touched on yet, is there a non-bank custodian of $4.5 billion in HSA assets? And this division is powered by Wex Bank. So Wex Bank actually powers all three of their core business lines. And it's a wholly owned subsidiary, which funds these other business lines. So it funds the fleet products and it funds the corporate solution products. And it provides the credit that's needed on those fleet credit card transactions. And it's the depository for the HSA cash assets. So one thing that allows WEX to access a lower cost of capital is the fact that they have WEX Bank. And WEX Bank provides that competitive advantage and liquidity that enables them to design various funding solutions and payment solutions for their customers. Always a secret low cost of capital float involved with these businesses. And another great example here, when you put all of the businesses together, what does the overall financial profile look like from a revenue and margin standpoint? $2.5 billion in revenue, growing 25% year on year, 60% overall gross margin, 35% EBITDA margin, 15% net profit margin, $900 million of cash in the balance sheet. Very, very strong business. Business has been growing very rapidly, top line, 25% scale. And at those margins, I think commands a pretty healthy multiple. And that 25% growth, can you attribute that towards new logos and bringing them in or just capturing more business from existing customers? What was driving that? It's primarily just continuing to tap into new customers, continuing to really sign up these customers at scale, actually add new fuel providers to their network. I believe they just added Chevron as a major partner to their network. So it's continuing to chip away at that overall market of undigitized fleets because it's still significant untapped market opportunity. And how do big players like an Amazon or a Walmart where they are the privatized businesses, do they show up as potential customers here as well? They do. Yeah. So Amazon for instance, with all of their delivery drivers fill up their gas tank, just like anyone else at these retail gas stations. Amazon, surprisingly, is one of the leaders in transitioning their fleet to EV fleets or electric vehicle fleets. So Amazon has tens of thousands of electric vehicles in their fleet. And so they're leading the EV charge um, on pushing other fleet vehicles or influencing the transition to mixed fleets. And they're one of the reasons why Wex wants to get ahead of this curve. So 25% growth, top line, still a major penetration opportunity. From a margin standpoint, you alluded towards competition, putting some pressure in terms of fees. Where do you see that going? And where has that historically trended over time in terms of margins? Over time, their fleet solution has done about 50% operating margin. Most of the margin is spent on hosting various software solutions, and then providing that infrastructure for payments. So increased fuel prices as fuel prices continue to go up here in the short term will drive increased customer delinquency and drive actually more late fees. They make about half a percent on every late fee. And so I think what's interesting is there is maybe an internal hedge here as fuel prices go up, 
even though fuel volumes might go down or purchases might go down, their late fees will increase. And that late fee makes up about a third of their overall fleet solutions revenue. So I can see that ultimately driving up margins may be in the near term, but we do have to be wary there of competition and other competitors coming in and signing these agreements or signing these long-term relationships with their fuel providers. And the threat of Visa or a MasterCard trying to offer a similar solution, does that come down to their ability to also provide all of the backend software with the analysis in terms of fuel consumption and the other data points that you were referencing before? Is it that tie that really protects them from having a traditional provider of corporate cards from coming in and representing new competition? It does. And Wex has really actually taken more of the Switzerland approach to competition with Visa and MasterCard. So for instance, they white label their card pretty frequently, and then they partner with various financial networks that each of these individual retailers may use. So you can find a MasterCard that's white labeled with Wex on it or powered by Wex, or you can find a Visa card that's powered by Wex. And they really like to play this, yes, Switzerland open to partnerships, open to revenue share agreements, and they're less sharp elbowed than maybe other marketplaces or other payment solutions might be. That makes sense. And you referenced their interest in terms of getting ahead of the electrical vehicle side of things. Does that represent any portion of the business now? Are they generating any revenue yet from electric vehicle fleets? It's still very early. They're not currently monetizing EV fleets yet, but they have made a few investments out of their venture fund into various EV fleet startups. So still early from a revenue perspective, but it does look like they've been active in making investments in the space. And have we missed out on any of the other growth levers here for the business? I think there's obviously tailwinds that they can get in terms of just macro dynamics and macro picks up and more miles driven at higher fuel prices, assuming they capture that. There's also just general penetration. Are there any other major demand drivers or growth drivers for the business? The growth in this business, in my opinion, will come mostly from product innovation. So it's how do you offer the most seamless capabilities on the software side to make various insights and various spend control more efficient so that you can ultimately acquire these users through more a product-like growth motion. Because anytime you start to deal with the really long tail of customers, the key there is just acquiring those customers in a really efficient way. Otherwise, your unit economics just get all out of whack. So really what they have to be able to figure out how to do is acquire some of these long tail of the operators in a very efficient way. And I think they can do that through a product-led growth strategy and actually enabling self-serve sign-up capability or some other different way in order to sign up your local electrician who drives a truck around your neighborhood. On top of that, I think electric vehicle charging will be a big tailwind for them. That goes back to the macro tailwinds and how they're trying to build more products in that space. It's undoubtedly a macro tailwind that we're experiencing, especially in Europe. And about 12% of Wex's business actually is in Europe today. So it's not 100% in the US, but the US is quickly transitioning their fleets into electric vehicles driven by the big companies like Amazon converting their fleets. And I've seen a lot of gas stations now with the electric charging stations. I assume that's going to have to look a little bit different for fleets. 
Is the expectation that many of the big gas stations now where truckers are refueling are also going to be the stations that have electric charging? And does that require a significant amount of CapEx when I'm thinking about the logistics of getting some of those bigger trucks into some of those spaces? Maybe it's smaller vans that represent the actual electric fleet. So maybe it looks a little bit different. But what goes into that part of the process in terms of it being linked to the same customers that exist today and that being where the charging is happening? It's a really complicated problem because currently it can take several hours to charge your vehicle if you're using a level two charger. But if you're using what's called a level three charger, which is a DC fast charger, you can typically charge your vehicle in about 30 minutes. So what we're seeing is a lot of these locations, specifically like gas stations or fuel depots, are installing level three charging locations so that these fleet operators can charge their vehicle quickly. However, the level three chargers are very expensive. So it can cost up to a million dollars to install a level three charging bank. They require significant CapEx upgrades. Usually they require some sort of additional transformer or grid upgrade. So we see a lot of the level two charging, which is the slower drip, more several hour charging at office locations, at sometimes at your home or at locations where you'll park your car for several hours. But a lot of the level three, very CapEx intensive charging is the charging that you'll see more at gas stations or at fuel depots. And I know it comes down to physics in terms of what can actually be done. But is there an expectation that eventually there's a level four, the charging capabilities? Are there still a lot of investments going into that in order to speed up that charging process? There are. And there's a lot of investment going into actually more on the battery side. How quickly can you charge and discharge a battery without affecting actually the degradation of a battery? So there's still quite a bit of research actually going into the battery side to both increase range of the battery so that you don't need to charge as frequently and then speed of charge. That makes sense. In terms of risks for this business, how do you think about the various threats? We've talked about some, but when you bottle it all up, how do you think about risks here? I think the major risk here is obviously exposure to fuel price. But on top of that, Another risk that I don't think we've highlighted is actually there's been quite the effort in recent years aimed at the investment community. So sovereign wealth funds, pension funds, university endowments, actually promoting the divestiture of investments related to oil and gas or investments related to fossil fuels. And this is pressuring leaders of several of these large corporates that are involved in the fossil fuel business to curtail various activities associated with oil and gas. So there is a potential risk here that WEX gets included in that bucket of companies that are related to the consumption of oil and gas. And because of that, may fall into certain divestiture programs. On top of that, I would just also say that potentially another risk to the business is increase in interest rates. So as interest rates increase, Wex Bank's cost of capital increases. So really, as these interest rates increase, their competitive margin gets eroded away because one of their current competitive advantages is the low cost of capital. I guess the first point maybe makes some sense as to why they're pushing so quickly into the electric vehicle category as well, diversifying, not pure play fossil fuel provider. When you mention that divestiture side of things, that would relate mostly to just selling off the shares and being outside of the ESG portfolio? Is that where it would mainly come into play? 
Correct. Yeah. So especially within endowments, we're seeing several endowments want to find out different ways to minimize their exposure to oil and gas related investments. So it comes down ultimately to the institution, what they bucket WEX into. Uh, but we are seeing divestitures from that segment more broadly. And do you think there's anything about this business that we haven't discussed? It's a very unique business. I think one of the main things we were talking about when we first came about this name, based in Maine, you don't get a lot of corporates based in Maine, public companies based in Maine. But anything else that stands out that we haven't tapped into today? I think we also just need to hit on more about the amount of data that WEX is actually able to collect with every transaction. So they collect everything from the name of the individual to the vehicle type to the odometer on the vehicle. And with that data and with any good software company, the ability to collect that data creates a moat into building a layer cake of other products that you can build on top of the data that you're collecting. So Wex has done a really good job starting with this loop of proprietary payment transactions. And then they've been able to build on a SaaS layer where they can now monitor and control spend. And then on top of that, they're now going to build on a new solution for mixed fleets so that you can actually manage both your EV vehicles as well as your internal combustion vehicles. I don't want to discount the fact that they have a significant moat here just from the amount of data that they've been able to acquire and the products that they've been able to build because of that data. It's a completely fair point as it relates to competition from incumbents and why they wouldn't be able to break into the industry, but also some of those supporting businesses that they've been able to add. And just saying supporting probably underplays them when they represent 40% of the revenue, but that makes a lot of sense. And just to put that data in context, in 2022, they facilitated the purchase of 20 billion gallons of gasoline with a TPV of over $66 billion in gasoline transactions. And I believe it was 95 billion in total transactions. If you look at spend that various auto service companies or auto shops, where you can also use the WEX card. So there is significant volume going through this closed loop payment system, and they've been able to monetize it incredibly efficiently. That's a big number. We close these conversations out with lessons that you can take away from looking at this business and apply elsewhere. So what would you say the lessons are? I think that previous answer held some lessons in terms of data collection, but anything else you would add on to that? Anytime you're dealing with the long tail of whether it's industrial service companies or whether it's fleet drivers or whether it's actually maybe even B2C type go-to-market motion, anytime you're dealing with the long tail of customers, you have to be able to acquire your customers incredibly efficiently. So Wex has done a really good job of going through the parent oil company in order to acquire the very fragmented retail locations. And then the fragmented retail locations have been able to sign up the even more fragmented fleet vehicle customers. So I think anytime you're dealing with the long tail, you've got to be able to minimize your sales and marketing spend when acquiring those customers. On top of that, I would say the ability to manage complexity on both sides of this quote-unquote marketplace that they've been able to develop has enabled them to develop this closed-loop payment system so that they can capture a higher margin per transaction. So they've been able to bring that in-house because they've done such a good job at managing complexity on both sides 
that they realized that they didn't have to give away margin to a third-party payment processor. And then on top of that, yeah, it goes back to what you're saying about collecting data. And if you have a core competency, you can expand both deeper into the customer accounts, like what they plan on doing with electric vehicles or with other products like their SaaS products where they can control spend or even expand horizontally. So they've done that really well because they were so efficient at building products for B2B payments. They've been able to expand into corporate health benefits or travel solutions, which also had a very similar type product offering, but were in slightly adjacent verticals. So Wex has done a really good job of going both deep into a customer account as well as expand into some of these other industries, but with a similar product offering. Absolutely. One of the more interesting ways in terms of breaking into an industry and using some of the bigger players to gain adoption. And I think that was some great phrasing that you used there at the beginning. Well, Mark, thanks. This has been another excellent breakdown. We appreciate you coming on and joining us again. Thanks for having me, Matt. To find more episodes of breakdowns ranging from Costco to Visa to Moderna, or to sign up for our weekly summary, check out joincolossus.com. That's J-O-I-N-C-O-L-O-S-S-U-S dot com. 